0: Why did Jesus speak to people in parables? Why did Jesus speak to people in parables? What is a parable? A parable is a story. A story. And that has caused a popular reaction to that question today to be that Jesus talked to people in parables because he was a storyteller. He spoke parables because he was a good teacher. And good teachers illustrate their truth. They give examples and they give ideas. And so Jesus was a very interesting speaker, and he drew people in through these stories that he would insert spiritual meaning, and then the spiritual meaning would explode, and he had just effectively taught them. Now, there are those who would say exactly that or something very close to it today, and those same people would favor us doing the same thing. In fact, you could go find books on preaching and on homiletics that would say our preaching today in our churches should be much less focused on telling people doctrine and expounding the word of God and should be more focused on telling stories, on giving illustrations. In fact, if you were to go around to churches professing Christian churches today, all around this city and around this state and this country, you would see people preaching just like that. Very little in expounding what the word of God says and very much more bringing illustration, story, humor. They seek to be interesting I don't want there to be any confusion today. Good teachers do illustrate. There is something that is important. I think one of my most important jobs, if not my most important job, when I preach the Word of God, is to try to make things that may otherwise be complicated become simple. Anyone can make complicated things complicated. You don't need a gift to make something that's complicated complicated. But there is something that comes with teaching the word that is required in making things that may seem complicated somehow seem simple. And illustrations are a wonderful way to do that. So we're not speaking against the practice of illustration, but we're speaking about why Jesus talked in parables. And my suggestion to you this morning is that Jesus did not speak in parables because he intended to be a good storyteller. He did not speak in parables because he intended to illustrate his complex truths with something very simple for them to grasp. And I say that for at least three reasons. One reason is this. We can't get it from the context itself. What do I mean by that? What is an illustration? An illustration is meant to shed light on something else, to shed light on some principle or on some truth. It's like revealing something and then shining a flashlight on it and saying, let me make it a little easier for you to see, to provide a magnifying glass, or perhaps to step back out and help it see in its broader context. It is intended to simplify truth. But how did Jesus use parables? Oftentimes he told a story without telling anyone what it was about. Take the parable that Calvin Todd read for us today. We would call this the parable of the sower but really it's the parable of the soils because that's really what this story is about. And we're going to get into this story in our next message. So we're not going to try to get into all of its details today, but Jesus gives a really compelling story. He said, a sower, a farmer, went out to sow. And what did he do? Thank you, Ben. What did he do? He cast the seed. So there's a picture that all of them would have understood. A guy's got a big seed bag over his shoulder, and he's going by hand, and he's tossing seed out like this from his bag onto the ground. And he said some of it happens to fall Right on the wayside, whether that's the path, the trodden down path, or just off to the side of the path, it was hard, packed down ground, and he said the birds came. It was an easy meal. It didn't get down into the ground. And then he said, and and then some of the other seed fell on kind of a rocky area where there was just only a little bit of topsoil. And there was no depth, there was no soil for it to go down into and create roots. So it, it shoots up quickly, but then it withers and dies when the sun it has got no root. And then some of the others fell into a patch where there were thorns. There were weeds around. And that sprang up too, but the problem was the thorns were there, and so they robbed the nutrients. They took what was for the seed, and the seed became unfruitful. But then some of it that he was throwing out fell into good ground and it sprung up and multiplied in its fruit. And you see, that's a really cool story. All of them would have understood it, right? Do you notice here in chapter four and verse three how he begins? Hearken, listen. Behold, there went out a sower to sow. In illustration shines light on truth. But Jesus hadn't even given him the truth. He just said, here's a story. Now, let me give you an in illustration of this. Many, many of you have heard the gospel, and one of the illustrations that we use to talk about what it is to receive Jesus is the picture of of a man who has nothing to offer, who is begging and has his hand out, and what he needs to do is in order to receive a gift, he has to just reach out and claim it. He just has to receive it. Imagine if I were to get up for a sermon one Sunday morning. And I said, I'm gonna tell you a story. There was a man who was a beggar and he was sitting by the wayside. He had nothing to offer, and he and 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 he desperately was in need. And a wealthy man, a loving man, came by and said, I have a gift for you. I have something to give you and the man was sitting there and he, he he realized I need to reach out and grab it and he reached out and he took the gift and he sat back down and then I said thus saith the lord and I went and sat down you'd all be looking at me like well that was a lot shorter sermon than normal better move up those lunch reservations no you'd be looking at me and saying did I miss the point If an illustration is to shed light on truth, don't you need to give me the truth? But so often, Jesus just gives this little story. And he doesn't even tell the crowd what he meant by it. He just puts it out there. So, the context. The second thing is not only the context then, but the context now. Why is Jesus, why can we not look at these parables as just Jesus using good illustrations? Because no one got it. Even his disciples were continually coming to him and saying, Jesus, can you explain that parable to us? And if his disciples didn't get it, the crowd certainly wasn't getting it. Now you say, well, that's just because they didn't have the key. They didn't know all the truth. Hold on. In Mark chapter 4, we're going to be looking at a series of parables that Jesus taught. Do you know even to this day, conservative, evangelical Bible expositors don't agree on what Jesus' parables mean? Do you know even to this day, you can go to good, faithful commentators and preachers and you'll see wildly different interpretations of what some of Jesus' most basic parables mean? Even today... Not everyone fully understands what Jesus was saying by his parables. But there's one other reason we should reject the idea that Jesus' parables were there just to give good illustrations, just to give good analogies so that people could really understand. It's the text itself. Look with me at Mark chapter 4 and scroll your eyes down to verse 10. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve... So, you've got the 12 and others who were surrounding him. They had come close to him. They asked of him the parable Jesus, what's this all about? And he said unto them, Unto you, those that were about him, it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, now the idea here is those are outside. That's the idea of that phrase. Those that are outside, all these things are done in parables, everything is in parables. Now listen, that, the idea is so that. Why do I speak in parables? So that seeing they may see and not perceive. So they see with their physical eyes, but they don't see with their spiritual eyes. And hearing they may hear and not understand. So they hear with their physical ears, but they don't understand with their spiritual ears. Lest or otherwise... At any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. This is one of Jesus' most mysterious words. Why did Jesus speak in parables? So that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not hear. Otherwise, they might convert and their sins might be forgiven. What does Jesus mean? That's the goal of our message today. As we get into this chapter that is filled with these parables, we need to understand what parables are and why Jesus used them. The title of the message this morning is Parables of the Kingdom. Parables of the Kingdom. Why did Jesus speak? in parables. Let's start, first of all, by understanding something about the scene that is in front of us this morning from Mark chapter 4. The scene that picks up in verse number 1. Now remember, if we're in context... We've been going through the book of Mark. Jesus is the king who comes to announce that the kingdom has come. He is the king, and he is opening the door of his kingdom to anyone who will repent and believe the gospel. And so he goes preaching the gospel, and he goes showing the gospel by his divine power, his authority over doctrine, They marveled at his doctrine. Why does this guy have such authoritative speaking? They marveled about the authority over demons, exercising the power of God over the devil, the enemy of God, exercising his authority over disease, healing anyone who was sick, who was in his path, doing things that no one could explain. Even the Pharisees who hated him so much said, it's got to be the devil. It's not just a trick. Some kind of mysterious supernatural force is at issue here. And the multitudes, the crowds are coming about him. And then just in Mark chapter 3, what did we see? We saw the opposition to Jesus mounting. The opposition from the religious leaders who are now fully and finally opposed to him. There's no going back. They hate him, they envy him, and they are against him. Even his own family and friends, those closest to him, are opposing him. And we see now the conflict fully joined between Jesus and his kingdom and between the devil and his kingdom. They are enemies. And now we start here in verse 1 of chapter 4. And he began again to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them, in his doctrine. So again, the picture, a big multitude comes. So big that Jesus goes to the seaside, gets in a little rowboat, and goes a little bit out into the sea so he can pronounce, so he can, so he can express himself. The water will be a natural kind of, of, uh, of, of, of encouragement toward this. It will amplify the sound. And he teaches. But notice what is said. He teaches them by Parables. Now, you'll notice that before this point, Jesus has rarely spoken to them in parables, at least what's been recorded for us. Jesus' practice was to go into the synagogue and take the word of God and open it and teach. And they said, this man has authority in his doctrine. But now, starting in chapter 4, he is entering into a new kind of teaching or at least a significantly new kind of teaching that he hadn't been focused on before for example take the the Beatitudes the Sermon on the Mount Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7 there is very little by way of parable in the Sermon on the Mount oh there may have been a story or two there but it's not like this in Mark chapter 4 Jesus had been teaching a different way. And now in Mark chapter four, as the opposition has mounted and the, the battle has been joined between the men who hate him and between his own authority, he now is teaching in parables. Well, what is a parable? The word parable is actually pretty instructive. It literally means to throw beside, to throw beside. That's what a parable means. A parabola, two perfectly joined lines of exactly the same. It is to throw alongside. You say, what does that mean? Well, it just means this. It is something where you take a truth, a principle, and you cast something alongside it. It is a comparison. And Jesus uses these words all the time in his parable. You know, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like. Like. Here's the kingdom of heaven, and I'm going to cast something right alongside of it and say these two things are alike. And that is his ultimate picture. A parable, it's been said, is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And that is exactly what Jesus is communicating here in Mark 4. But here's the challenge for us. As I've already said, what happens if you tell a story that is meant to be an illustration, but you never say what truth it's meant to represent? What happens if you say, here is what the kingdom of heaven is like, but you never tell what the kingdom of heaven truly is? You just tell a story. And people are left scratching their heads, why? Because they don't have the key. They don't have the explanation of the truth or the principle that this was meant to represent in the first place. A commentator, I love this, he was reflecting on the the parable of the sower that we just read. And he said this. He said, the farmer thought, he's telling me that I have to be more careful in the way I cast my seed. I guess I've been wasting an awful lot. The sower went out to sow. Well, I guess he's talking about me. I guess I should be careful with my seed. What might the politician have thought? The politician thought, he's telling me that I need to begin a farm education program to help farmers more efficiently cast their seed. This will be a big boost in my reelection campaign. What did the newspaper reporter think? The newspaper reporter thought, he's telling me that there's a big story here about the bird problem, ...and how it affects the farming community. That's a great idea for a series in the paper. What did the salesman think? The salesman thought, he's encouraging me in my fertilizer sales... ...why I could help that farmer more than he knows if he only used my product. You see, if you just have the story but you don't have the key... ...the story's not going to make a lot of sense. And do you know this is exactly true? As I just said, the disciples didn't get Jesus' parables. They were coming to him all the time saying, can you explain that one to us? And the crowd certainly didn't get his parables. They walked away probably thinking, well, that was a nice story. do Not sure how to apply it. And as I said, even to today, Bible commentators don't agree on how to apply Jesus' parables. They, they, they don't even always agree on what they mean. So Here's the scene, and it's very striking to us. Everyone seems to be walking away confused. But let's go to the text. And let's see, secondly, a sovereign purpose. Not just a scene, but a sovereign purpose. Notice verse 10. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parables. And he said unto them, now listen to this, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, Outside, all these things are done in parables. Now, notice the distinction here. He says, you all in front of me, it was given to you to understand. But, here's the contrast, those that are outside, they get parables. They don't get it. Jesus actually says in Matthew 13, very explicitly, he says, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. To you, you get it. To them, it's not given. They don't get it. Now step back and try to process the implications of what Jesus is saying. Jesus knew they wouldn't get it. And he said to his disciples, it is given to you, To understand it is not given to them Wow what is this actually saying well notice what it is saying unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God now that's a very important phrase the mysteries of the kingdom of God what is a mystery when it's in our Bible a mystery is not something that, in, the, in biblical terms, that it is incomprehensible to understand. Now, here's what I mean by that. A mystery is not like something that we would look at today and say, how big is our universe? How big is it? Most of us would look and say, well, that's a mystery. We have no idea. Not even our best instruments of science can tell us how big our universe is. It is incomprehensible. That's not what Jesus means when he talks about mysteries or what the Bible means. The Bible means when it talks about a mystery, it means this. Something that wasn't known in the past, but now has been revealed. But now God has revealed. Like this. Have you ever read a mystery novel? And you read all the way through the book, and then the detective or the protagonist of the story at the very end reveals what had been there the entire time? And Sherlock Holmes says, let me tell you exactly who did it and how they did it. And you read it and you say, oh yeah, now that makes sense. Until that point, you had no clue who did it or how they did it. But then the author puts it all together and the mystery has been revealed and you could go read through the book again and you'd say, oh, look at that. Oh, and look at that. Oh, it was there the whole time. Or a mystery movie, same thing. The conclusion comes out at the end, and you say, I need to go watch that again. And then I'd get it. I'd get it if I watched it again. A mystery in the Bible is something that has been hidden until it has been divinely revealed. So Jesus says there are these mysteries of the kingdom, of the kingdom of God. Jesus came to present the kingdom, He came to reveal the kingdom. And he says to his disciples, It's been graciously given you by God to understand my revelation about my kingdom. God's given it to you. It wasn't through their merit, it was a gracious gift. In fact, Jesus makes the same point in Matthew 16. Do you remember one of Simon Peter's finest hours when Jesus was still alive? Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And they gave all these different answers to him. And then Jesus looks at them and says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, I got it, I got it. Like Peter always did. And he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And do you remember what Jesus said to him? He said, Flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. What mystery, what mystery did Peter come into? Something that was given to him by God. It wasn't a human being. It wasn't him sitting down and reasoning through it and getting it. It was God who had revealed it to him. And Jesus says, blessed are you, my Father in heaven revealed that to you. Wow. But then notice what comes next. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted, and their sins should be forgiven them. Now, if you know your Bibles, or maybe you see it in your margin, you know that's a quotation. Where is that quotation from? What is Jesus quoting In that passage, she's quoting the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 6. Will you turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6? This is a key that we got to get if we're going to understand why Jesus spoke to them in parables. Isaiah chapter 6. Now, what's going on in Isaiah chapter 6? God is calling his prophet Isaiah to be his messenger to his people Israel. And if you remember this story, it's where Isaiah goes into the temple and he sees the Lord high and lifted up and the temple is shaking and he falls down on his face and he hears the seraphim saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And he says, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I I only have unclean lips. I have seen the king. He is just utterly broken. And then... Pick it up in verse number eight. He says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. You can just imagine Isaiah's trembling hand going up and saying, Holy one, I'm willing to be your messenger. Send me. And look at verse nine. And he said, Go, God says, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat. And make their ears heavy. And shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and convert and be healed. What's God telling Isaiah? Isaiah, your mission, your message, will cause people to close their ears so they cannot hear. You, your message will be to blind them. You will preach, and they will only further close their eyes. You will proclaim, and they will only further close their ears. You will continue to speak, and they only will understand less and less and less. Can you imagine that being your mission in life? Go talk to people who will only say no to you. They will shut you down, and they will be blinded in the process. Is it any wonder that Isaiah, look at how Isaiah responds. Then said I, Lord, how long? Lord, how long do I really have to do this for? How long do I have to speak to people that will never hear me? And listen to what he says. Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant and the houses without man and the land be utterly desolate and the Lord have removed men far away and there be a great forsaking in the middle of the land but yet in it shall be a tenth. There will be a residue left over, a small group, only 10%, and it shall return and shall be eaten as a teal tree and as an oak whose substance, whose stump is in them when they cast their leaves so the holy seed shall be the substance or the stump thereof. He said, Isaiah, here's how long you're going to have to preach until the whole nation of Israel be cut down and only a stump remains How would you like to hear that as a pastor? Your entire ministry is telling people what they don't want to hear and what they will reject until they're utterly destroyed. And Jesus now, in Mark chapter 4, quotes that verse and says, do you want to know why I speak to them in parables? I speak to them in parables just like Isaiah So that they will see with their physical eyes, but not their spiritual ones. So they will hear with their physical ears, but not their spiritual ones. And they will not understand, or otherwise they would have been converted and be saved. What is going on here, friends? To me, what's very clearly going on here is that Jesus' words, his parables, were confirming in judgment the choices that these people had already made concerning him. You see this? Jesus had already been proclaiming truth to them for about two years. He had already been teaching them plainly and simply of the kingdom of God. He had been saying, repent and believe the good news of the gospel. Enter into the kingdom. And now as the multitude continues to come, Jesus says what they get now are parables they get now are these stories that will confuse them and will only further blind them, that will only further deafen them, that will cause them not to understand, and they will be confirmed in their judgment. Do you know that Jesus is not the only one who quotes this passage from Isaiah chapter 6. Paul does the same thing. Acts chapter 28, he goes to the Jewish people that are there in Rome and begins teaching them everything from the Old Testament about who Jesus was, about who the Messiah came to be. And they reject it. They turn away from it. And here's what Paul says Paul had spoken one word, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, go unto this people and say, hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand and seeing ye shall see and not perceive for the heart of this people is waxed, gross, is fattened, it's insensitive and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes have they closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. Friends, these are sobering words. People who would hear the parables coming out of Jesus' mouth and turn away in blindness and in deafness and in in failing to understand and ultimately be judged. John says the same thing in John chapter 12. He quotes Isaiah chapter 6 and he says these sobering words, therefore they could not believe. They could not believe. Believe They had closed their eyes and hardened their heart and the judgment of God was to say, you're only getting parables to further confirm what you have already chosen. One group, it's given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. To another group, it's parables, it's judgment, It's confirming what they have already chosen in their spiritual insensitivity. And friends, the same thing is taking place today. This is the effect of the word of God. It is the effect of truth when it is proclaimed. As I've said before, the same sun that melts wax and makes it soft, hardens clay and makes it like a rock And when the light is shined, people will either be softened under it like wax or they will be hardened by it like clay. And even today, we remember what Paul said of the Jewish people. He said they have a veil over their eyes when they read about Jesus Christ in the scriptures. Praise God that he also says there's a remnant Praise God for those of Jewish heritage who see in the Old Testament who Jesus is, what was prophesied of him all along, and accept him and trust him as their Messiah. Praise God for that remnant. And yet Paul said, there is a veiling 2 Corinthians 4 says the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that don't believe, whether Jew or Gentile. They are blinded so they don't see who Jesus really is as the king in the kingdom. This is a judgment of God. Jesus says to you, but to them it is in parables. And that's why we need to see not just the scene, not just the sovereign purpose but finally a separating effect a separating effect what I want to see again is just focus in on very briefly here as we close what Jesus is really saying is this an arbitrary decision of God is this an arbitrary judgment that you know these ones I'm good with and those ones are gone I don't think that's what Jesus is really saying here And the reason is because of the parable itself. I want you to look here in Mark chapter four and look at verse number three and verse number nine. What is the very first word that Jesus gives in this parable? Hearken. What does the word hearken mean? Listen. 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 Now go to the end. What's the very last word that he gives in this parable? What's the very last phrase? He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Do you see that in this very mysterious parable that even his disciples didn't understand? On the front end, he said, I want everyone to listen up to this now. This is important. And then on the end, he said, did you hear what I just said? If you have ears to hear, then listen. And what happened? His disciples moved toward him. They said, Jesus, we didn't understand that. We didn't get it. Can you tell us what it meant? And what happened to everyone on the outside? They walked away. They left. They said, well, that was an interesting story, but we didn't get it. They didn't have ears to hear. And so they didn't hear. They walked away and so in their walking away it was confirming the choice that they made as to Jesus the Messiah the King do you see the point that I'm making here the point is simply this Jesus' parables were intentionally mysterious they were intentionally concealing but they had a separating effect on two different kinds of people The people who had ears to hear, who were sensitive to who the king was, and the message he came to proclaim, it drew them toward him. And they said, tell us more. We want to hear more about what this means. We don't get it. And other people said, I'm content walking away. I'm content not understanding. I'm content turning away from the king. What happened to those who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I want to learn more. What? Look at verse 10. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve, it wasn't only the twelve, all those who came about him asked of him the parable. And in verse 13 through 20, he explains it to them. And then not only that, listen to this in verse 33. And with many such parables spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them, and listen to this, and when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. Do you remember what Jesus said? To you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. You say, how? How? Because they understood his parables? No, because they went to the king himself and said, teach us. And he said, I will. I'll tell you exactly what they mean. And they understood the mysteries. But what happened to the rest of the crowd? They walked away and they said, I don't care to understand. I'm good with just hearing a nice story. Can I say something very sobering? I hope to all of us today, it doesn't matter whether you hear the words that I speak to you today or whether you've ever heard. It matters whether those words caused you to personally go to Jesus Christ and say, I need to hear from you. Unless your heart responds to the word of God by moving toward Jesus and embracing him as your king, they are only hardening your heart. They are only blinding you more. In fact, friends, I would almost go so far as to say if you don't intend to accept Jesus and move toward him, it would be better for you not to hear these sermons. It would be better for you to walk out right now and say, God, someday you've got to give me that heart, but, but not now. Because Jesus says to those it is given, to whom? To the ones who by faith move toward Jesus and accept him. And for those who sit there and with insensitive hearts, it is only hardening them in judgment. Friends, some of you have been sitting under this teaching, under this preaching in this church for decades. Decades, you've been hearing the word of God. And if you have not been moving toward Jesus Christ personally, if you have been here to hear interesting stories or interesting analogies or because you think you should be here at church but your response has not been going, leaving this door and going to Jesus in your heart and saying, teach me, Jesus, I need to be with you, then it's been empty. And worse than empty, your judgment is coming in only becoming more insensitive to what you've heard. And on the flip side, whether you've been here for 30 years or this is your first week, it tells you what needs to happen in response to this message and every sermon that's preached from here. It's not to respond to me. It's to respond to Jesus by going to him and embracing him and saying, Jesus, teach me. What an incredible privilege it is that for many of you who are here, it's been given to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God. It's been given to you. How much should you embrace that privilege by going to Jesus as a living person today and saying, teach me right now. Be with me. It's the greatest privilege we could possibly imagine. Friends, why did Jesus teach in parables? He didn't to be a good storyteller. He didn't to give compelling illustrations. He did it like everything he did because it was a dividing line. It divided those who would walk away content in their unbelief and only be further hardened in it. And he separated from those who would hear his words and maybe not understand it, but move toward him and accept him as the king of the kingdom. What about you today, friends? What's your response to the word of God? We would do well to remember the word that Jesus gives to all of us. Take heed. Pay attention to what you hear. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for these very sobering words These words that can be very hard for us to understand because they speak of judgment. They speak of judgment on those who have already chosen to be insensitive to your truth. Your judgment on those who have already chosen blindness rather than sight spiritually. Deafness rather than hearing spiritually. And these words fall on them and only confirm their blindness and deafness. And yet, Father, I know that to many here today, it's been given to know the kingdom, to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. What a gracious gift that has been. And it is open to all those who, by faith, will move toward Jesus Christ as their king. Oh, I pray this morning, Father, that not one person would leave here without moving toward Jesus in their heart. They know what that is, Father, They know what it is to move toward Jesus, to embrace him, to bow their knee before him, to plead with him, to teach them, and to change them from the inside out. And oh, I pray, Father, that not one person would leave here having heard a story, having heard an illustration, but never moving toward Jesus. Only judgment will await. Father, may it be so, we pray.